Hi everyone, welcome to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. I'm Langdon DeMint. And I'm Julian Taylor. And welcome to our podcast. Welcome to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. And I'm really, really excited today. Do you you want to know why I'm excited, Langdon? I would love to know why on this Monday morning. Because you've just mentioned the spring word and spring is in the air. So... So I'm going to apologize to our, our, our listeners up front. It is spring, spring break, apparently, in the US. So Langdon has his kids home. So there might be some background noise or support from, from his kids during the podcast. Um, yep. I've just had to close the blinds. So for our YouTube watchers, I've had to close the blinds because the sun is too bright in Yorkshire, which is a very rare event indeed. Um, but I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, I'm also going to make the excuse that I am suffering from a cold. I'm stressing the word cold, not COVID. So if if I start barking, I will try to use my mute button as judiciously as I can. That's a good word to get in, wasn't it? I think that's pretty impressive. You just let it fly, buddy. It's okay. Let it fly. You know, it's it's also that time of year. It's spring now. We got stuff everywhere. I mean, it's... You know how it is. And the the really exciting thing is um, two bull guys are going on tour, aren't they, Langdon? Oh, yeah. Traveling the globe. Well, well, Ish. traveling the globe. Uh, well, Ish. Birmingham and Manchester are the, are the destinations at the moment, possibly with York in the, in the middle. Traveling that three-hour round trip around United Kingdom. Yep. I guess I'm traveling there, though. So you're traveling. So you're doing yeah. a bit more global traveling than I am. Um, mm-hmm. But it'd be good. It'd be good to catch up in, yeah. in real life. Um, That's right. For those of you who are quick off the mark listening to the pod this time, um, we we are talking at the health and safety event in Birmingham next week, which is the 25th of April, which is really exciting. Um, a great great chance to meet up with with the uh, different people from the industry. Um, hopefully some of our previous guests might even be there. We could meet up with them in person, which would be good. And all future guests that could be there. And possible future guests. Yeah. We're always on the lookout. Yeah. Yes. So if we see any vocal people who like talking about safety, we might just pick up on you and uh, invite you to <laughs> come on the pod. That's right. How's everything? You know, I will ask, shifting just for a second weather's been nice i think the weather's been a little better there have we put any of the golf balls behind you to use uh we haven't um i've been doing doing good family stuff this weekend i'm saving myself when you get here langdon i think we might try and try and fit fit some golf in as part of the tour um that works but it's been busy with birthday parties over the last last weekend ah good time anyway i've got something to pick up with you anyway i'm slightly disappointed to see that you were doing a bit of um freelancing freewheeling um just a single bald guy going out there presenting on his own sometimes you just gotta make it rain out there you know it's one of those it i think because a part of the time was the original idea but yeah we've been doing a little bit around maturity maturity which is not something Gotta say, not something I normally associate with you, old buddy. Well, valid, <laughs> guilty as charged. <laughs> but we um, we did a maturity webinar or a series, I guess, um, around our maturity model, around the maturity curve that 
that we have here at Evo Ticks. We made, I don't know how, what, maybe two years ago now. Yeah, I guess going on three. Um, but we put a lot of steps kind of in between what it takes to move from one to the other. So we did a, we did a webinar series around that. So I encourage you if you have not to, to check it out. Um, it is on our, I don't know what it's called repository library, wherever it is. It's on our website, please. We highly encourage you to, to have a listen. I think it's, it's good. I like it. Right. I mean, it's one of those things that i mean is it maybe groundbreaking not necessarily but is it is it something that can differentiate potentially so i mean i'm i know you love that theoretical theoretical kind of stuff you you've got that kind of a, a brain um i suppose it'd be really good for, for the people who are listening to this what what's what, what do you see as the real value of of the maturity curve to the average ehs person who's out there doing a job each day i don't know i don't know if this was a real question i mean you know so little might get slapped on the hand for this but a little tidbit about webinars and presentations in general every once in a while you might have a mock question that comes up just because if you don't get a lot of engagement listeners sure most of you already know that but i don't remember if this was a mock at the time, I don't think it was because I don't recall being prepped on this one, but somebody has asked that. And actually I got it in a presentation face to face last year. And it was one of those, they were looking and they, they asked the same question and it's nothing really. So let me start off by being like, it's really nothing groundbreaking from a standpoint of there's a lot of maturity models out there. Let's just get that. But what I think is we do differently and it's not the element of, we don't try to tie in, you know, I don't tie in our software. I know you're, you're the same. We're not talking about EvoTix. Sure. can help do that's not by no means the point. I think technology comes into the play when you talk about maturity and where someone is on the journey and, you know, so on and so on. But to me, the average EHS person, one, the, or we'll just say the typical EHS person out in the facility <clears throat> and to the organization, it's kind of twofold. They're able to take a very, and I, I, there's no telling how many times I use this word retrospective look at themselves and at their organization to actually get a better understanding of where they reside. You know, what do we have in place? What processes do we have? What programs, how are we adhering to them? Are we proactive in mindset? Are we proactive in, and whether it be incident investigation or, uh, you know, whatever hazard analysis, it, it doesn't matter is it helps people to take that look and actually figure out where they are within the journey. And then even let's put some steps. Cause I think that is one thing to my knowledge at the time doing a lot of research, a lot of people hadn't, a lot of organizations, they haven't put in place. What does it take to move from one to the other? And if they have, that's more on the, what, consulting side or, you know, whatever you want to call it on the backside. And we've tried to put a few, especially more recently, tangible things or, you know, what are five or six things you can do? Now, if you want more, yeah, we can do the, the true consultative piece and investigative piece and figure out. But it really helps take a look at what are we doing as an organization or you doing as an organization 
and then determining what are some steps that appear it, it it can show where it appears that we are and then we can determine what we need to do to get better so you know there there are there's there's a number of maturity models out there i think ours definitely has the ability hopefully to help kind of determine where you are and where you need to what steps you can take to get better so for me that's you know that's one of the big key elements it's just that it's really it gives someone a chance to take a look at them at themselves and their own organization versus just you know the oh i think i'm here well are you really you know i suppose i suppose another thing in there is that you could also use it in your in your discussions with with senior leadership can't you to to illustrate actually illustrate this is where we are and this is why we are where we are and these are some of the things that we we want to do to move forwards but also the value of of moving forwards or 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 trying to improve as well yeah well and no exactly and you also think about it from the perspective of there's a lot of there's a lot of times a lot of i think a lot of organizations i mean i'm sure you've been a part of one i know i have where you kind of look at it and you have all the policies, you have all the programs in place, you've done your risk assessments, you know, you seem, you can say we're very proactive or whatever you want to say, wherever you are on the journey. But just because you're there, it doesn't mean you're always going to be there. You know, failures happen, stuff happens. So to me, it's really good to that point also, because we might have everything in place, but really we're, Maybe we're not getting the engagement on the frontline workers that we need. Well, then what good is a, you know, is it good to have all these programs and policies and risk assessment and processes and trainings if people aren't really adhering or following it? You know, so I I think that's a good, that is a good point you, you bring up and how that's kind of applied across. And and a realism as well with, with any kind of sort of um, curve, or curve model like this is that actually it's not a one-way street you can go backwards as well can't you um so as an organization you've got to maintain that focus if if you're going to keep moving forwards and that kind of aligns to i suppose one of the other thoughts that i know we've discussed in the past which is we've got excellence as that final final step on the curve is 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 are you ever truly excellent um and and is there a danger to thinking you are excellent? Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, and really, I, I used to get the question. I'm sure you have too. Well, because so everyone we go like negligence and not in the negative sense. It's just we can we explain it in the later, but negligence, uh, reactive, compliant, proactive, excellent. And I can recall numerous times. Well, what's the difference from proactive to excellence? I mean, there is a difference, but really it's pretty, you know, it's pretty minimal, right? And I think that is a great point. Just because you are excellent, just because you're you're focusing on that, you got to watch out with complacency. And I think that's the biggest, to me, that's one of the biggest, what, maybe roadblocks? Or no, no, speed bumps is... You walk in somewhere and you see that whole plastered on the wall, zero incidents, strive for zero. Striving for zero is great if you understand that 
every day and every minute of every day, you have to strive and work towards that. You know what I mean? Once it becomes that complacent, the we've hit zero, you know, <laughs> once it becomes that you're in trouble um, because you start watching out. I've got, I've got to say Langdon, I hate, I hate the whole zero word. I hate the I hate the zero word. It's uh, because it just it, it, the danger is it just it drives the wrong behaviours, doesn't it? It drives the behaviours of oh, I don't want to spoil the record, so I ain't going to tell people about things. And I mean, I was going to almost try and come up with a a maturity curve definition of the word excellence, and it's it's probably something along the lines of an organisation that never never can never sort of thinks they've achieved excellence and they're always striving for more because that's what excellence should be. It's that continual striving to keep getting better. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what our track record is. We're continually striving to get better. Exactly. It's the value, right? The value of understanding why it matters and how it's applicable. And, and it's the type of organization that has learned how to fail. It's learned how to mitigate. It's, yeah, it's stri- I mean, we all strive for zero, realistically, but it's that understanding of what it takes, you know, and when something happens, hey, did we minimize it? Are we putting everything in place to try to keep everyone, you know, healthy and safe? So we're learning throughout. I mean, I, I fully agree. It's zero is in principle. Yeah, it's good. It makes sense. But in reality, a lot of a lot of pitfalls come from that in terms of i suppose using using the the, the maturity curve i was just going to use a, an analogy that i've just realized is absolutely rubbish in the modern world because <laughs> i was going to say it's like it's like setting off on a journey and and how do you plan a journey well you 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 find your end point first and then you work backwards from your end point in terms of right how am i going to get there but actually, with a modern GPS, you don't. You just plug it in and you just go, don't you? Um, that is true. Yeah. So, but my analogy, my old-fashioned analogy, is if, if you don't know where you're going, it's very difficult to plan to get there. So it helps you to give give you that structure as a as an EHS professional, doesn't it? To say, right, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to to go on that journey? Um, I think it would be useful, Langdon. Let, let's pick each stage out. So let's start at the beginning. And let's just talk briefly about each stage. So, so why is negligence not really negligent? <laughs> I'll, I'll chuck that. We, I'll chuck that one at you to to deal with. Well, I feel I'm comfortable with what and notice my phrasing of what I'm about to say. What we decided to make as negligent, we we decided to make as this, and I think it was. It's not the. Uh, it's not necessarily the aspect of just uh, choosing to do something wrong, choosing to to hurt someone or anything like that. It's just the absence of health and safety. Maybe it's from just not having the understanding. Maybe it's from nothing's happened. We're a small town, you know, organization at you know whatever factory. We haven't seen the need. It it might be that, but it's typically kind of that thought. It, it's just the lack of what I'll say. Maybe maybe that's it. The lack of health and safety presence. That thought of it's not going to happen to us. I, I think I think that that very word. If you say negligent, 
it, it brings up that preconception, doesn't it, that somebody very deliberately has done something. And often it's not. It's just it's just a lack of awareness. It's unconsciousness. Um, I'll give you a really good example, which is um, I've, I've got a friend and he's got a big three-story house and he was having – it was an old – it was a wreck when he bought it. It was like the money pit, if you've ever watched the film. And no. uh, Great movie, um, Tom great, Hanks. Great movie. We always like a good, good movie reference. Um, and it was, it was the money pit, um, and it needed re-roofing. And he got this, this, this roofer in, um, and and this guy just, he'd, he'd been a roofer for thirty years, so he just had a way of doing things. So you'd see him walking around on this roof with no, no fall arrest, no, no nothing to keep him himself secure, and he he had a. Um, he had a guy working for him, um, and this guy fell off a roof and bust himself up pretty badly. Um, and he ended up, the HSE prosecuted him, so he was due to be in court to get prosecuted for this guy falling off a roof, only for him to fall off a roof and kill himself um, just before it actually happened. And again, it was, it was a classic case of why does negligence happen and, and and a lot of the time it's because we've always done it that way. So people stop thinking about things. Yeah, we've always done it that way, and we've never had an in, never had an accident, so it must be safe. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a big, but that's a big one, right? <clears throat> Especially if you think of smaller organizations that uh, maybe OSHA, maybe they're small enough. OSHA is not, you know, for here in the states, OSHA will not come because they're not regulated through that or or maybe it is one that's smaller and typically nothing's happened and you get people that they are experts they've done the job for years and they really might have even done the job before a lot of these um whatever you want to call it processes or regulations i mean which they are processes and the regulation maybe even before some of them got created in some cases or refined and what you see is it is that stuff happens you know I've, we've all seen it i think being in organizations or doing something you know it's that same it's that classical case of us in the workplace doing one thing but then when we go home we do it slightly different because it's it's us we've done it uh, it's not a malicious i'm trying you know i'm, I'm cutting something up my safety glasses aren't there Ugh, i'm just gonna do this one cut and go my goal is not to lose my right eye. It really isn't. It's just a, you know, I think that's a good point. I mean, and, and that's what we, we kind of view it as. And that's how, uh, to me, that's how we really define that was that's that initial, just it's the absence. It's that thought of it. Nothing's going to happen to us. I think that's a good phrase. It was really interesting, wasn't it? When we, when we talked to James, about, I mean, he had that passion about smaller contractors, didn't he? And how do we, make it easy for smaller contractors to do safety. And I mean, that's a tragic story I've just told. And, and, and it's a lot of the time it is those smaller organizations who, so how do we get to those smaller organizations and condition them to, to just take another look and maybe even if they can move slightly up that curve, it's going to make a difference. So next stage, sorry, you were going to say something. That, that's perfect. I was going to say, this is a perfect time now. Just boom, boom, reactive. Yeah. Do we, let's, let me, let me do a quick, I think, so one quick thing, maybe taking you from negligent to the next stage, which is reactive. Let's just, I mean, there's, there's multiple things that we could come up with, but one thing is 
that initial understanding that stuff can happen to you, meaning crap can happen, health and safety issues can happen, understand there is a baseline, understand health and safety can be impacted. That's one of the first things I think that we can see from a transitional standpoint. You want to move up, understand that it does matter to you, no matter your organization. Boom. Reactive. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Do you do you want to cover reactive? Or would you like me to? I think, um, you've you've done the webinars. I'm going to let you do it. <laughs> well, thank you. If you, get a, you get a, if you get a free wheel, mate, you you got to take you got to pick the load up. Some. I need to find out when you do something by yourself. I'm going to bring this back <laughs> on you. So, <laughs> so reactive is very self-explanatory. It is the they understand organizations that understand there is a baseline. They understand the principle of why health and safety matters to a certain extent they understand osha but they react when something happens so it's not that there's not a lot of preventative they might not they, they typically we see some type of health and safety there we see some type of health and safety employee maybe not maybe not a designated sole job but at least you know they have some things from uh, an ehs standpoint but it's typically that there are a few programs in place, maybe processes, but it's very, they don't want anything to happen. But when something does happen, boom, they jump on it. And then they might start kind of thinking or considering what could be done differently. So it's, it's one of those, it's very, very much as it sounds, they react to an incident or react to an occurrence. And, and we often, it's funny, we often, it's, it's such a great name, isn't it? Because that's often the point we end up talking to people at that point because it's something's happened and it's boom, we need to do something about this. We need to, we need to improve our approach. We need to improve our processes. And I suppose one, one of the other things that's going through my head as we're talking through this Langdon is, is actually, it's almost a model of a business that's growing and evolving, isn't it? The maturity curve as a business grows and evolves, they tend to tend to just become more professional about the way that they manage, do manage safety. So yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's actually a really good point. And it, at least it, it should correlate to that very well, just because it's, you know, when we get to this, you think about the safest companies in the world and all the safest companies typically are the ones that they're not the ones that have never had incidents. Cause if you've never had an incident, how do you know, excuse me, how to react? How do you know how to put programs or policies in place? How do you know, what happens or what we need to do when an incident happens. They're the ones that have experienced failures. Now, I'm, I'm not saying you couldn't have a company. I'm not, as soon as we say this, I'll get called out. I'm not saying you couldn't have a company that is truly excellent that has never experienced it, but typically it's not. It's those that have been around. They're usually a little larger, and even if they're not, they at least understand that progression and how to transition. I think that's a, uh, that is a great point you bring up. In, in fact, most of the safest businesses, and, and again, caveat, not all of them, are, are the ones who have had the biggest incidents. Um, it, it's the, it, and I'll mention some that, it's the DuPonts, it's the BPs, it, it's sort of post-Alpha Piper, it's those big incidents that tend to sort of really trigger a mindset of we've got to change. Yeah. And, the, and I think they view it, you know, we say, and that is one thing. I don't guess I said on this. Let's talk about on on the um, on the webinar and the series and such. But also reactive. They don't really look. I don't. I don't. I don't see it as 
you know, we talk about incidents versus accidents and they really are focused more accident heavy, even than incident, you know, and that's meaning they're probably not going to look at near misses unless it's something substantial. It's more that accident or accident with loss. So I think that is another point to the reactive that you saying that triggered my thought. The other thing I would, sort of, from my perspective, that I tend to see missing in re- the next stages, and again, I'm getting great at these segues because we're going to move from reactive to compliant in a minute, um, is that is actually in reactive and, and compliant. In fact, all the way through the curve up, up to this point, the, the other thing that's probably missing is, is really strong leadership around safety. Um, and commonly, it's that classic, I've told the story many times of, you go and see the safety team and it's 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 a small team fighting against the tide trying to make safety a thing um so leadership is often missing even even through to being at, at the at the compliant stage so compliant langdon next stage compliant this is what we would and i think that is a good point compliant is what we classify <laughs> senior laughing because it's going to sound negative. It's going to sound negative. It's not really meant to, but compliance organizations, you know what? I'm going to spin it positive first. Compliance organizations are the ones that really, it's just like they're sound. They, they sound, they are compliant to whatever local federal, um, maybe it's organizational best practice regulation uh, or standard has been put in place. And, and that's what compliance, I think what we, what we have to watch out for, and here's the spin on it, I guess, for the caveat. A lot of times we think of, well, I'm following what OSHA says. I'm, I'm following the EPA. I'm compliant. Yeah, I'm compliant. I'm doing what HSE tells me to. I have a risk analysis or risk assessment for every possible thing I need. Well, you know, compliance is really the baseline because in, in theory, or not even in theory, actually in practicality, <laughs> you're, that's what you're supposed to be doing. So I'm not trying to burst bubbles or anything because I think a lot of things, you know, fall protection or maybe it's a TOV for, for some type of air contaminant or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. I think a lot of those are, they are stringent and they're, they're pretty good. I think that that's fantastic, but it's still that point of they're trying to make that the baseline because it is, we want you to be better, but this is the baseline that if you have to allow someone to be exposed to a certain chemical, this is the baseline that an adverse, you know, chronic effect won't come or, or whatever it is, you know, four foot fall. This is the baseline that if you fall, you should be okay. Well, and, and that's not even what happens if you and me, you know, one of us, I don't, I'm not saying you have it. What if you had osteoporosis? <laughs> you know, what if you were a little more brittle than me or, or vice versa and I fall four foot? And, you know, for, so even then, to me, we, we have to be careful because it's that baseline, right? It, it's it's what we have to do that's been set. And that's, I think that's something crucial when we talk about this, that the compliance phase, that's what I always try to. And and it's, it's it's really interesting, isn't it? Because if you if you went and talked to the average person on the street and said, "What what do people need to do around health and safety?" M- most people would go, "Well, businesses need to be compliant, don't they?" That would be the first thing they'd be thinking of. Then you need to comply, um, and actually, compliance is is as we say, it's it's kind of the lowest bar, really, isn't it? It's good, but it's not it's not the, it's not the end, um, and it's it's that. You can have all the things in place, but it's not doing 
it's not doing things in a again great segue proactive way that's going to actually improve safety um sort of uh, on, on an exponential level so so the next stage is the one where we start to get excited which is proactive um yeah and I, I will say so going you know we went from negligent to reactive and kind of what step it took for that and even thinking reactive to to compliant what does that look like and typically you you start seeing a little more refinement around the incident management understanding what an accident versus incident is you probably put someone that person that you had that was kind of managing health and safety now it's their main job or you've hired someone that's been educated to uh, to do that profession or, or whatever so compliant you you typically have a health and safety dedicated person start building out the team so at least we're seeing that foundation and you're probably you're probably managing risk more effectively as well aren't you you you, you you'll have your jha your jsa your risk assessment in place you probably hopefully review it as frequently as you should be reviewing it you're doing those things that that the legislation is saying that you should be doing before you undertake a, a job of work yeah exactly so if you're going to if you're going to go and repair somebody's roof there's a risk assessment in place to say right how do we do that safely yeah yeah which then you would progress to proactive now so we've moved proactive it's it's kind of like the reactive those are probably probably was a tough word this morning my two favorites and it's because they're pretty self-explanatory proactive you're being proactive meaning you have you understood the importance of learning from an incident, kind of seeing that incident management. You understood the importance of having a following the regulations. You understand the regulations. <clears throat> so now we're we're trying to be proactive and think a little more premature. So you might be looking at near misses. You might start actually investigating to what you just said. That was an excellent segue. Your JHAs, you know, yeah, you got to have some type of hazard analysis, some type of risk assessment. That's a compliance piece. But when you really start, not just, you know, it's easy to, for everyone that can't listen, that's my pin clicker. It's not just going around doing a, you know, the compliance is I just walk around, I do my checklist, make sure everything's good. Or I do my inspection. The proactive piece is I'm going around, I'm looking I'm trying to identify new or unwarranted hazards, or maybe I'm seeing something that's been there and I'm like, you know what? That's been sitting here for a while. This is a good opportunity to actually try to grow from, to, to learn from that. I think that's the piece that we have to transition to when we become more proactive. And that, so for me, it's actually trying to be, we've, we've moved from compliance to the baseline. Now we're actually trying to think, what are some things we could do before something happens and that's one of the big pieces or crucial elements i think there's a there's a couple of things in there for me langdon which is a, a really important and the first thing is we start to make we start to make health and safety documents living breathing things so we make them first of all let's make them engaging and readable let's not have long-winded complicated documents that we're expecting people to look at but how how often do you see the case where a risk assessment, if, if we're being compliant, it's this document, but it's there, but nobody really looks at it on a regular basis. So how do we, <coughs> excuse me, how do we encourage people um, to actually want to look at that document more frequently? So so it, it, it's not just this dry, dusty thing that's there for compliance. So 
even things we've talked in the past about things like micro learning. So actually encouraging people to do some kind of two, three minute micro learning before they start work. So they go through some kind of mental check to say, right, do I understand? Have I refreshed myself in terms of how I do this thing safely? Um, but, but I suppose the most important thing for me when we start talking about proactive is people. So whether it's people on the shop floor, whether it's our leadership, we've just got far more involvement of more people around safety. So, so, so our leadership, for example, we get them doing those safety tours, those safety conversations. So if they go to a site, go and talk to people about safety, go and talk to people about why they're doing the job the way they're doing it. Yeah. And then actually things like gamification. So can we actually get teams comp almost competing against one another around actually observations that they've made sort of opportunities for improvements. Yeah. Hazard spotting, all of these things that we talk about all the time, actually see if we can start to just get more people talking more of the time about safety things. Um, because that's the bit that's missing so often for me from reactive and compliant is actually it's a small team of people trying to do the safety. It's not spread out to the sort of masses within an organisation to talk about it and just make it part of the day job. Yeah, and uh, no, I fully agree because I think, and I mentioned this on the, la on the last webinar, um, kind of that culmination of excellence and, and then moving forward. What does this mean? I think you hit on a great point. It's, it's that aspect of no matter how you view this, you know, and I don't want to go down a big cultural aspect right now, but no matter how you view it, it's cha a change management occurs. I mean, that's, that's what it is. As you put more cognizance to it, as you get more people involved, as your processes get refined, as all that is happening and typically when that happens, that is proactive, that is excellent. All that is happening. So all of your programs, all of the, you know, the investigations or which are a crux of incident management, all of your buy-in to health and safety, your JHA, hazard, whatever it is, hazard identification reporting, that's when it starts really getting more, I guess, proactive or whatever you want to call it more bought in because people have to So it's a transition that I think that's a great, a great point. It becomes when it becomes ingrained like that, it actually becomes an educational piece because everyone in theory has to be bought into that process. So again, I, I suppose part of the proactivity is, 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 is sort of your approach to training and approach to reinforcement, isn't it? And again, reactive you're very much going to see the classical yeah we we tell people about safety at onboarding um compliant you may do a bit more you do any sort of required legal training but actually once you start getting to proactive there's far more of a focus on ongoing refreshers and trainings around the things that are, are sort of real to people and I, I still think Langdon it's it's probably the biggest area for businesses and for the globally for organizations to really focus in on is how do we get that engagement of people at all levels i mean james mcpherson who we talked to the other week would be dropping the f-bomb at this point because that's his style because that's again it's that frustration that we all have simon jones was the same it's that frustration about how do we just make safety this real part of what we do every day it's not this this dusty dry thing that's separated from your day job yeah
Mm-hmm. Well, and it's easy, right? So I guess in doing this, the transition to the excellence piece, I, I think, so just everything we're talking about from proactive, it's really just kind of amplified when you get to excellence. And it's just that it's that aspect of learning from every incident, making it a value. And you'll see where I'm going, where I'm kind of going with this in journey in my head right here. It's the learning and that whether it's a pre-incident investigation, whether it's some type of new process that you're that you're deciding to implement or that you're really wanting to rectify, you've made health and safety a value. That's that transition from proactive to excellence. It is the everyone's on board, everyone's engaged, everyone is proactive of understanding why does health and safety matter. But I think to what you just said, I think that's the aspect that we have to watch out for because, yeah, we get really frustrated when, not in a negative light, but if something happens, why aren't people just engaged? Why aren't people bought in? Or, man, I hate that that, you know, that happened to whatever, Julie over here. As humans, we're fallible, which creates a whole nother um, issue that can lead to a lot of this. But I think we just have to, we have to watch out because we all do it. You know, I've talked about when I was building the playhouse out back or if I'm doing little jobs when I was fixing the bathroom ceiling a couple of weeks ago, you know, up here painting and scraping stuff. I didn't put anything on my, I didn't wear glasses, you know, scrape paint. Oh, get your eye, hit you. It's easy also to, to know that you've done something and, and think, well, I can do this really quick. And and just one little bitty aspect, maybe you're like, this is only going to take three seconds, a little complacency or even thinking I've done the job. And then how many times am, am I following everything to a T I'm doing everything the way I'm supposed to. And then something else fluke happens that I had no control of. And I was doing what I was supposed to. And that's when we start seeing it, it is a little broader because sometimes stuff happens. And when it does what do we do? How do we ensure that it at least is minimized to acceptable levels? And to me, that's that kind of final piece is when we realize that all that has been tried to be focused upon so that it can be minimized. That's, that's when you start seeing, you know, really very good change to me. It's, it's that understanding. So two points there. Firstly, I think I'd do a better segue than you. Um, and, and and the second point, it is amazing how many safety safety professionals end up having crazy incidents when they're doing stuff at home because they don't follow their own rules, isn't it? Um, and Mick, if you're listening, there's a guy who I used to talk to called Mick. I'm not going to mention any surnames. I still remember you taking the end of your finger off. Um, and that was a little little household incident. The, the, you know, this is a complete aside and a complete <coughs> sort of deviation here, Langdon. Um, Caroline is, is always taking the mick out of me about my awful taste in television. Um, and, and, I, and, and, you know, I do like cars, so I do watch car programs and the, there's a, there's a car program from the States called Kindigit Customs or Bitchin' Rides, I think it's actually called. Um, and, and, and I, what I've noticed, what I've noticed, they've actually started referring to safety when they're doing stuff now. So they actually start. They actually talk about putting some kind of eye protection on other things before they start cutting bits of metal. So you know that's that had to be law because if you ever watch Love Street Outlaws and a bunch of shows like that, 
it has been a matter of time. As soon as somebody watches it, all you got to do is it's crazy. So the call legal. Yeah, yeah. I, that is a, yeah, that's yeah. a funny one there. Cool. I agree. Um, so I think we're kind of running into time here, but I think that, that I've, I've enjoyed that. It's, and, and I suppose let, I said right at the start, you, you love the theory, but how do we put it into practice? And I think that's the really important thing with anything like this is it, you don't just have it again as this dry theoretical thing, but, but use it as a kind of roadmap for your organization to say, okay, where are we? Gives you a good sense check in terms of where are we, but also educate other people around the organization around what could we do. Um, and also helps you to start to be a bit more strategic and plan in terms of, right, what do we need, need to do? So if we are sitting firmly in that compliance sector, what are the, some of the things we could do? What's, what are some of the quick wins? So could we put in some kind of hazard spot in our observation sort of approach that starts to get more people involved? Um, so use it as a practical tool to start to change things. For sure. And and I think to that point, just as you move forward, understand, yeah, there are steps. We put it out. There's a quiz that it's somewhere maybe below us, maybe above us. I don't, you know, I, don't I, think know. I should be pointing up or pointing down now at this point, shouldn't I? So, so press subscribe, press like, and, and there should be a link down below for, for, um, to, and, and yeah, as you say, there's a quiz there that helps you to see where are you as an organization. Yeah. And, and understanding we put some, you know, right now, I, I guess there's a, I don't know what you call it, playbook or thing that I've created also that, yeah, there's steps that we've discussed that we've, kind of delineated decided to put for each one i mean there's a lot more of this we just tried to narrow it down on the initial five moving from here here's five steps of what you can do but there's a lot more right and and every organization is different i think that's the that's really the crux of this it's understanding where really threefold where you as a safety manager where you reside on this kind of in your thought and typically it's probably going to be compliant up if you're in the health and safety realistically where leadership sits on that and then where your frontline workers sit on that. And this is something that I think if you take that quiz or if you really start thinking about it, that retrospective look, you might find that as a safety manager, I'm pretty proactive. Not excellent yet, but I'm proactive. Leadership, they understand the importance, but we're working on them to get to proactive. But my frontline workers, they're not telling me hazards. They tell me incidents, but they're usually when something happens. And what we've just identified in that last five seconds is we're in three different parts of our journey. So now how can we come together? And that's the, you know, that's the most important piece. How can we come together, figure out where we are, where we want to go, and then what we can do to get there? Um, I, that's one of the biggest pieces that I get out of this. I love that point. And you could almost go to teams and departments, couldn't you? And say, right, where's this particular team? Where's this particular department in terms of that, that journey? And it might, as you say, really great point there that it's maybe not everybody's in the same place, but it's trying to get them moving, isn't it? So, yep, for sure. Good. Um, so we're, we're two ball guys on tour. Um, I'm looking forward to taking you to your first, First English soccer game. Soccer football. Yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to use the S word when, you, uh, when you're when you here in, in reality. I'm just going to do my best to embarrass you. Thank you very much. <laughs> you normally do a good job. No, we'll have fun. Yeah, we look forward to everyone. Come listen to us. Yeah, it'd be great to meet some people, wouldn't it? It would. So, Langdon, do you want to close us out with your in your usual style? 
Uh, yep, everyone, as you're out there trying to determine where you are, where your organization, where your workers are on their health and safety journey, always remember one of the easiest things that we can do is look out for one another and watch each other's back out there. Stay healthy and safe. Thank you, everyone. Everyone, really appreciate you tuning into this episode of Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. Please follow and subscribe to wherever you stream your favorite podcast or visit us at evotix.com. And if you want to see how follically challenged we really are, come and check us out on YouTube. If you've got value from the podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and in the review section of this podcast, if you could leave us a review or a rating, that would be great. And as always, everyone, while you're going about your days, about your normal lives, stay safe out there and watch each other's back.